Welcome to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski. Uh, Robin, I like to say, because you wrote it, this is the show that highlights and celebrates the kinetic and potential energy in classrooms across the globe and why that even matters. And today, in this program, it's all about teachers as performers. I mean, I can't think of a better segue from kinetic and potential energy into teachers as performers, but are we asking a lot for a teacher to be a performer? I don't think so. If you're going through four years of college, you get it. You know what it's going what's, what's gonna, what gonna to take to be a great teacher. Um, it is a lot, though, if you think about it. Seven hours a day for 180 days of a year. A lot you, of energy. You're entertaining. Yeah. yeah. You got to keep it up. Um, but I will say some of the best teachers I've seen throughout my career are entertainers. They, they entertain. They're the biggest thing in the classroom. They take up the most space. They're the ones getting everyone's attention. And it works. I mean, we all know who the special ones are, who seem to give that extra oomph, who, you know, maybe it's playing a song about history, or maybe it's uh, writing a poem about algebra. I don't know. We all have those teachers. We also remember the ones that weren't quite as motivated. Um, and I, I know you love to give the example of uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And <laughs> what was that guy's name? Uh, uh, ben Stein yeah. played the teacher. Bueller. 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 Now, what does that say about just somebody's voice and how they interact with students in the classroom. That's exactly right. Um, it's not only voice, it's your your projection. It's your body language. I mean, you know, we also think about Charlie Brown's teacher that people use that reference a lot when you're saying, you know, I listened to this boring presentation. I have no idea what, what they were saying. Wah, wah, wah. So we, we want to make sure that we use our body language, facial expressions, you know, energy is not just about dancing or singing. It's about what you put out that kids are watching and they're mod, you know, you're modeling behavior and excitement for learning. So these teachers that you work, these, these new teachers that are going into the system, um, this is obviously part of the training you give to them, teachers as entertainers. Are all of them capable in their own way of being entertainers, or do you have to also teach people how to entertain or work with them on their voices or work with them on their, uh, their, their actions, you know, their stage presence, if you will? That's a great question. My students are in uh, their junior year. They're pre-service teachers. They're working in a school one day a week for about four hours. So they don't have a lot of experience teaching. But the times that I observe them, we go out in the hall, we find a quiet place, and I always start the, the conference, the post-conference with, how do you think it went? Oh. Because I want them to reflect on their own energy and the response from the students. I've had a lot of, I won't say a lot, a few teachers where kids, you know, I'm observing, so I'm a, a flower on the wall and I'll see some students under their desks or playing with their pencils or, you know, leaning against the wall and trying to launch their chair and all kinds of things happening when my student is teaching. A student that's aware of that is further along than a student who says, I, I think it went great because we have a lot to talk about. If you're not noticing that, what else are you not noticing? So it's, it's about coming from them first. What do they think about their own performance? And then we start improving from there. But there is always improvement to be, to be made. In fact, I always say, even to seasoned teachers, 
be lifelong learners. When you believe you've learned it all and you know it all, it's time to retire. Mm. Can you tell from these new students who the superstars are going to be? Sometimes. Sometimes. But there are a lot of hidden gems. And so I don't like to, you know, never want to judge if a professor from previous years wants to talk to me about a student. I kind of say, no, let's not yet. I'll come to you if I have questions. I like students to have a fresh start every year. And I do that in college. And I did that when I was teaching fifth grade and first grade. Okay. So back to when you were teaching uh, in fifth grade, let's talk about similes. Similes. I love my simile story. So similes are not a huge deal. I mean, they're not going to change your life when you're an adult, but my students got similes and synonyms mixed up, which they're nothing alike, except they begin with the letter S. And so somewhere along the line, they somehow got confused. So I took a day and we listened to the Temptations song, which is the way you do the things you do. And that song is about a lot of things. So let's back up. Do you know what a simile is? I'm waiting for you to tell me what a simile is. <laughs> okay. Why so, would I even try to answer that question when <laughs> the expert is sitting right across from me? So a simile is a figure of speech that compares two unlike things using like or as. So an example is as brave as a lion or crazy like a fox. Okay. So there are some similes in the song that are not, using like or as so for an exa- an example um you have a smile so bright you could have been a candle well you're comparing a smile and a candle but you're not using like or as mm. so as the entertainer that year in the classroom i went to my students and i said hey guys guess what last night i got a call the temptations are in grammar jail and they can't get out until my smart fifth graders fix all 10 of their wrong similes in their song so get on the floor get out 10 pieces of paper and hurry because we need to get them out of jail now my fifth graders knew the temptations were not in prison they knew that we were not their their ticket out but the fun of it the energy of what i was potentially believing made them all pull out their paper and they got on the floor and we played all the we played the song through and their job was to quickly draw the two objects and write the new simile. And it was a huge hit. So during the year, my students would say, while we're working, can we hear the simile song? No kidding. And so now I truly believe that somewhere out there, 25 students to this day can tell you what a simile is. Isn't that something? And that was from your brain. Yes. I mean, how exciting is that? That, that was one of those light bulb moments, right? They all got it. They all got it. Okay. Now, you you also talk about something that is critically important, and let's go from teachers as performers to having drama and arts in a school. And we're seeing a lot of that going away, and how terrible is that? But, I mean, as you said, some of these students in the, in the magnet school where you were teaching the simile song happened to be in a place where drama was very important. It was a big part of the curriculum. Why is drama so important? Drama is so important. I will tell you that I am so lucky that all three of my children were able to attend a creative arts magnet school here in Charleston. It was where I taught. They, I believe, are where they are today because of their drama teacher and the drama classes they took where they learned a lot of self-confidence. 
you know, I think about how each one of them navigated, you know, they're all in their 20s now. They've navigated finding a job, applying for a job, and knock on wood, keeping a job based on what they learned in drama, how to have confidence, how to project, how to sell themselves. You know, uh, two of them went on to middle and high school. Um, my one son graduated with a theater major and my other son went through middle school in theater. And I cannot tell you how valuable that was to their, their futures. I can't imagine not having that training in school. I mean, it, it's useful for everything you do outside of the classroom. Let me read a couple of statistics, which leads into we have a special guest today. So 10 years ago, the National Center for Education Statistics reported that only about 4% of public elementary schools offered instruction that was designated specifically for drama or theater. I think that's pathetic. And that was 10 years ago. Is it worse now? I think it's getting a little better, but a little better from 4% is, is not where we need to be. All right, so then it says there are 67,408 public elementary schools in the U.S. today. So if that 4% remains true, then that's about 2,700 schools out of 67,000 plus that offer drama during the day. Uh, with so many statistics pointing to the success of drama and students and beyond the classroom, why is this such a challenge? I, I don't know the answer to that, but I know through my career, is, is 30 years spanning education, it seems the arts get cut when there are budget cuts. And so a lot of districts are using creative ways to get the arts embedded back into the curriculum, whether it's through nonprofits or grants they write. So the world is seeing how, how important the arts are. In fact, you know, through the pandemic, we learned that the arts are what got most people through that, you know, whether it's music, theater, dance, visual arts. The, the um, creativity and design are what is at the core of the mm -hmm. arts. Creativity and design is in every profession. So we really need to start focusing more on that. Well, that's wonderful because we have a special guest who will join us in a second. And we're going to talk about drama in elementary schools. And uh, let me tell you a little, bit, a little bit about Jeff Jordan from his own words that he provided to me. Jeff Jordan has a Master of Arts in Teaching, Theater, speech from the University of South Carolina. He has taught, directed, acted, and created theater for over 31 years. Began his career as a theater artist on the South Carolina Arts Commission artist roster and worked in schools and theaters across the state. Uh, first of all, I want to take a class from this guy. For 25 years, he taught theater at Ashley River Creative Arts Elementary, an arts integrated school. Jeff has also conducted workshops and in-services with teachers on arts integration and theater across the curriculum. He has also taught in Dorchester II's gifted and talented, talented theater arts program. In spring semester 2022, he completed his fifth semester as an adjunct professor at the College of Charleston, teaching a graduate-level elementary methods theater class. Over the years, he's been involved in the local theater scene, performing in numbers of productions, excuse me, numerous productions, you know, I have a head cold today. In case you can't tell, <laughs> it's affecting my ability to talk and read. You. Over the years, he's been, I'm impressed with this guy, and I can't wait to meet him in person. Over the years, he's been involved in the local theater scene, performing in numerous productions, working with theater companies such as Charleston Stage and the Village Repertory Company. We're going to welcome into the studio, Jeff Jordan. It's an honor to be here with you guys. Thank you very much. Robin always has the most fascinating people to bring in the studio. And, you know, the name of this show is Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski. And it is heard nationally 
through uh, We're All Fine podcasts are available and on WTMA 1250 here in Charleston. So let's talk about your work in the elementary school scene with drama and why it's so important. Well, you know, it's um, it's interesting. I don't know that I ever set out to, to be an elementary school teacher. I just kind of um, fell in love with acting class. And I know this probably sounds uh, like every other actor that'll say um, I'm kind of introverted and I'm shy. And people are like, you're not shy. But, you know, for me, uh, I, I am. I was always kind of a shy kid. I was the youngest. Um, I had a big, loud family. And um, f- I always just found that when I was drawn to acting classes, I had the ability to to find a voice and and just to find a place and and part of it was about imagination you know einstein has that great quote about uh imagination is more important than knowledge and and i just fell in love with acting class and uh when i went to uh university i didn't really declare a major i just kept taking classes and then finally my um advisor said you're a theater major and my first uh, thought was how do i tell my parents <laughs> um yeah and and then uh you know i come from a long line of teachers and i had a very big influential uh a, a great teacher in in high school he his name was Jim Thigpen. He, he ran a theater in Columbia called Trustus Theater. And he just kind of sparked something for me that just led me on this journey. And I just am, am so grateful. Um, when I went to graduate school and I majored, uh, got the MAT, uh, got an undergrad in theater and speech, and then decided to do the MAT in education, um, my college advisor basically told me no he said don't do this he said you will never work you will never get a career you'll never have a career and I thought you know I'll take that as you know okay but I you know I had a passion for this and um it's kind of worked out I always tell people after 31 years I kind of felt like it's what I do for a living um but uh, and, and I started my first job was high school and I found quickly that wasn't my people. <laughs> they were not my people. It was just um, I thought uh, it was a tough situation. I thought I'm going to quit and dig ditches. And then I literally kind of fell into doing residencies with the South Carolina Arts Commission. And uh, I was lucky, did that for about five years where I traveled around schools across the state of South Carolina in theaters. And I might work for two weeks a day. It was a great training ground. And then one day I happened to be, we had used, back in those days, you had a booking conference and you'd have to stand behind a table and people would walk by you and, and hire you or not hire you. And, and, uh, I was. You were performing all day behind the stage. You always have a dog and pony <laughs> show, which will you know. Every teacher has a dog and pony sure. show every day, but for that you you had to sell yourself. And uh, one day I was lucky enough to to stand across the, my table was a woman named Jane Ellicott, who was the principal of Ashley River at the time. And luckiest thing that ever happened to me that she hired me for a week. I went to this amazing school where as soon as you walked in 
into that school, it was like different than any school I'd ever been in. And it, it was in a, at this time, it was in a condemned building um, that had been turned into an art school. And there was beautiful uh, student work covered the walls. There were kids running up and down the hallway with violins and ballet shoes and art projects everywhere. And I was there for a week and I thought, what a great school. And they actually um, contacted me that summer um, and said, are you interested in a full-time position? And I went and applied and that was like the greatest thing that ever happened to me. So this was your aha moment. And you the, realized you'd made that right decision. That was my aha moment. I had found my people. You know, I was much more comfortable with tying shoes and talking about the tooth fairy and <laughs> trying to keep kids from getting band-aids than being with middle school, high school, roll your eyes at everything you say. And uh, so I kind of, you know, just really enjoyed that population and, and, and have all, I like all the time now, Robin said that her kids are in their 20s. That makes my back hurt sitting here <laughs> because I had them all since they were in first grade. And um, it just, uh, I was lucky to, you know, I'll, I'll, often I'll be downtown Charleston and some giant will walk up to me and go, do you remember me? And I always pretend I do immediately. Um, until I talk to them long enough, I always remember who they were. Really? You know, yeah, yeah you can kind of see past that adult into their eyes, you know. Robin, what, what impresses you about uh, Jeff so much, and how is he the almost a role model for other teachers who, if they only had his passion and his, his talent and everything else, everybody would be a success in the classroom? So I have two things for that. The first, as a teacher, when I would walk in Jeff's classroom, the kids were never sitting down and every student was engaged. And so that's very telling because, I mean, when you're a special area teacher, you just, you don't have 20 kids, you have 103, you know, 300 kids. So to be able to get them that excited every time I walked in and these were unplanned visits. So it's not like he was, you know, setting up something that I would see that was amazing. So every kid out of their seats. And then the second as a parent, when you're at the dinner table and you say, what'd you do in school today? Or how was school today? Fine, nothing. <laughs> so my kids would tell me about drama. This is what we did in drama. We learned this, we learned that. And a great thing about Jeff, and, and I know other special area teachers do this as well, and it's so important. He could connect what was being learned in the classroom to what he was doing in his drama classroom. That's pretty extraordinary. Well, I, let me put you on the spot. You walk into a, a brand new room, brand new kids. What do you do right off the bat to get their attention? That that's a good question. You know, um, when uh, Robin asked me to come in and do this, I've been like just like thinking like crazy about like what are what are some of those keys? What are some of those things? And and one of the things that I've always thought that that humor is so important. Um, but also, uh, you know, every kid wants to be seen. Every kid wants to be, you know, have some kind of connection. And, um, I, and, and that's hard when you do have 300 and something kids. And, you know, the, the longer I taught, it was harder to remember the names. <laughs> but, uh, but I think, you know, um, immediately getting them up engaged, um, 
you know, talking to them about, you know, they might be like not interested in being an actor. Uh, you, you talk about the benefits of why drama is so important to any profession, whether it's, you know, they're going to, they want to be uh, uh, in, in radio, which is especially, you know, obvious why it's important. They want to be uh, uh, in sales. They want to be in medicine. Um, you know, studying drama has all those great, um, you know, uh, C words, you know, the ability. Communicating would be one of them, uh, right? Communicating. I say communication is a lost art. Why it, is that? It, it is a lost art, and I think part of it has to do with that double-edged sword of technology. You know, why Why do we, you know, how many times have you guys walked into restaurants and you walk into a table, and there's a table of 10 adults, kids, teenagers, whatever, but they're all on their uh, devices, and there's not engagement right here. And I think that's one of the things things that that live theater does you know is that when you go see a play you you have that 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 connection that's so rare in this day and age of of just being in a moment of listening to a story but um i always found that i always like to get the kids up immediately and teach them a warm-up and a lot of it, it even if they're not interested in walking out on stage uh you know yoga's become so popular just in terms of breathing slowing down stretching so a lot of the an actor's warm-up is is just that you know if I, I i talk to them about are they if they're nervous about taking a test or if they're nervous about speaking that you're you know you can do physical things with your body to help you deal with that nervous energy and um so i i guess i connection try to find a way to connect to them and give them a reason for uh why we're doing this well, let me throw you a curveball you've sure. been doing this for 31 years how have kids changed and how have you had to change your approach to them as technology changes as respect changes all those things that are evident that we see every day that that is a fantastic question because I think the biggest change is that when I started teaching, um, I had literally a chalkboard. And what's that? Uh, what's that is right. <laughs> you know, it's funny because even though they, they didn't grow up with them, they still understand that it's not a good thing to put their fingernails and drag them across. And, you know, I don't know, that joke is just embedded in culture and in stories. But, um, but technology was the biggest change, I think. And then I always have to think, how, how does this constant, you know, now kids are walking around with a computer, you know, that they have every answer to the world that they could find out in seconds now. Um, so that, that's been a big change. But I still have find myself telling my kids, well, look it up. You've got a computer in your hand. They'll still ask me a question. Ask ask Siri. You have you have every answer you need, right? Right. Uh, yeah, I always say go to the Google machine. Right. You know, and I and I do that a thousand times a day. And uh, um, and it, it, but also you know, kids have have changed in some ways, and I'm sure that this technology has rewired all of us a little bit. But also, in so many ways, they've stayed the same. And I think you know there's all in all of us there's somebody who is that little kid still no matter how old you are that wants to be validated 
that wants to be listened to that that wants to to be heard that wants to be able to to express themselves and that's why i think giving kids the tools of creation whether it's uh teaching them about script writing or if it's music teaching them about composing music or or creating dance you know we're giving them communication tools that that are so important and go beyond words so much like uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of kids look uh, at you from their past as the most influential. Who was your big influence when you were younger, or was there even anybody? Did you have to start the process yourself? It, like in terms of a teacher, yeah, anybody that yeah. was really influential to you. I think the two big ones for me was I had a, a sixth grade English teacher, no seventh grade English teacher, Miss Dean way back at Eel Wright Middle School in Columbia, South Carolina, who, and part of what I try to get from her was her kindness. I don't know that I've ever, ever had a teacher that just, uh, and, and today, if I looked at that, I would say it was, you know, about mindfulness. You know, she was just, she was always present. She was always just there and such a, a kind, compassionate person. So that that's one. And then the other is the person I, I mentioned before, Jim Thigpen, who just literally gave a shy kid a couple of chances. And, you know, I would be scared to death to get up to, to speak to anybody. But if I had a chance to take a script and and back in those days i'd go to the library and find a play and just start reading and get lost in a story and and reading it just interpreting the character and 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 being involved and lost in a story you know he really kind of opened up uh, a magical world and and made me feel like you know that I, that i had a voice well described. All right, in 30 seconds, I need you to ask the last, answer the last question. Why does energy matter in the classroom? Gosh, this energy is, I almost wrote an acrostic poem for Robin when she asked me this, but um, I would say that energy is enthusiasm, and it, it's like anything. It could be positive or negative, and if kids have negative energy in the classroom, they're going to give that negative energy back, and I think there's so many times as a teacher where you have to have that positive energy, and and energy and theater is goes so hand in hand. It's contagious, um, so I would go with that. It's a you know, beginning a creation. Well said. Thank you, Jeff Jordan. What a great guest. So you're listening to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski, which is heard nationally wherever fine podcasts are found, and also here in Charleston, South Carolina, our home base, Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock of 1250 WTMA. We'll see you next time.